camp. I know next week is, is men's retreat, and if any men are able to go and help work, I know Thursday is, most of Thursday is a work day, and then I think half of Friday is a work day, and then I think men's retreat starts uh, Friday afternoon sometime, but if you are at all able to make it um, to go to camp uh, for that men's retreat and to help out, it'd be greatly appreciated. We, uh, we like the, the, the pleasure of going to camp and to have family camp and youth camp and junior camp, but it does take um, effort and work to keep that camp going. So I'm going to be going if anybody, I don't know if anybody else is going, but I know we usually try to hitch rides with each other and that sort of thing. So if you're interested in going, you come and talk to me. God is so good. It's good to be back in the north, in the Northland. Amen. It's nice down there, but it ain't that nice. I just enjoy being at home. We had a good time. Got a chance to uh, spend some time with the Michaels and uh, Michaela Chandler and I. We ended up touring Franklin, Tennessee. And, uh, of course, there's a heavy heritage and history there with the Civil War and uh, some really neat stuff. We were, there's a, a farmyard there called the Carter House, and it was a farmyard where the Battle of Franklin was fought. And if you go there, there there's barns and there's, uh, you know, buildings in the backyard that still have all the bullet holes in them. Actually, on the front porch, there's a big 4 by 4 post coming out of the deck. And there's a hole in it. And if you look in the hole, you can still see the bullet. And uh, that was in 1860. So um, a few, a couple hundred years ago. But uh, it was just an interesting time. Got to got to do that and and uh, relax a little bit as well. But of course, we're back and glad to be back. Amen. This is this is home, <laughs> and I just enjoy. You know, we went to church down there. They have a great church, and Brother Wolford is the pastor there. He's a great man of God, and was a he's a teacher at, was a teacher at Texas Bible College, and and uh, just had a good time with them there. But it's good to be home. And uh, if we could keep, I know I forgot to mention, Shayla's sick tonight. She's at home, not feeling well. Pray for those that aren't, aren't doing well. Um, also, we did have an announcement um, next Wednesday. Uh, we will have a missionary here. Um, he is a missionary to Jerusalem. And I don't remember his name. Eater, Brother Eater? Okay, what he said. And uh, he's going to be here Wednesday, and you won't want to miss it. From what I understand, um, he just has a lot of depth into the culture in Jerusalem, the Jewish culture. And, of course, when you have some depth and knowledge in that, you're able to, it seems, to dig some things out of Scripture that our Western culture kind of reads right, right over. So please be here next Wednesday. Um, I think you will be happy that you came and uh, be blessed by his teaching. From what I understand, everywhere he goes, people want him to come back to teach. And uh, that's not what he's called to do right now. He's called to be in, in Jerusalem um, as a missionary. So he's going to come and teach, and we're going to hopefully um, help him with those mission, you know, the, the, the monetary things that go with missions and, and PIMs, that sort of thing. So please be here next Wednesday. Um, Let's get into the word tonight. We're going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
from what I understand, you guys had a good service Sunday, and uh, I know Brother Gabe was sick. Is that what is that what happened? Yeah, Brother Chuppy preached. Amen. I heard he did a great job. There's a lot of great preachers and men of God in this church. I'm appreciative of of them filling in. You know, it's one thing. It was one thing just to preach a couple times a month back in the day. <laughs> it's a whole other thing to preach several times a week. And uh, so I appreciate their help and the teaching and the ministry that they bring to this church. Good teaching, good evangelistic preaching, and just the wisdom of our, of our elders, Brother Chuppy. Amen. I just so you guys know, I have them on the schedule a couple times a month, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, just depending on how well he's feeling. Um, but he also he can preach anytime he wants to, so he has that authority. So if you want to preach tonight, no, I got I have it open for you. First Corinthians chapter four. It's all ready for you. No, okay. God is so good. It, it's just, man, it is such a, an honor just to be a part of the kingdom. You know, life, life is hard sometimes, but I'm just thankful I can take a step back and say I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. Right? Be a part of the church. Amen. There's hope in that. You know, we think we have hope in Things outside of this church, our careers and our jobs and all this crazy stuff. And I mean, there's, you know, there's good things in that, but my true hope is, is in the kingdom, is in Jesus. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to continue on going verse by verse through 1 Corinthians. I'm learning a lot going through this. This has been a, a book that I have maybe, you know, just haven't completely understood. And first, chapter 4 is a chapter that I really had to dig in to understand what Paul was saying. And so we're going to go through it tonight. Of course, I, I have a, my tendency is to, uh, it comes very natural for me to, to preach topically. Like there's one point I'm making and I'm preaching that. That's, that's usually what I do. But when you're going through verse by verse, not every chapter has one point. It's trying to make. So I'm going to do my best to just go through and follow what Paul was saying and not get on one trail and stay on it. That's my goal. But, of course, I want God to, to be in it as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of of God, and moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And it seems that uh, quite possibly the Corinthians, um, through their worldly view, through their carnal mind, lacked uh, they lacked the proper perspective that they should have towards the apostles and towards the apostle Paul, and they tended to look down upon Paul and his apostolic authority. Um, and the truth of it is, is they were, and we've, we've talked about this in the previous chapters, they were coming from 
Um, they had a Greek influence, a worldly influence um, in their lives. And the truth of it is, is worldly wisdom doesn't like authority. Worldly wisdom has its own set of rules. Well, the Apostle Paul came um, with a different set of rules, and it was the structure of the kingdom. Okay, so he was trying, in this chapter, he was trying to get them to have the proper perspective. And he gave them instruction on the regard that they should have towards the apostles. And, and this regard was not to be too low, and it was not to be too exalted. And so he says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. So we're going to talk about that for a minute. The, the ministers of Christ. And I'm um, interested enough, there's several words used for minister or uh, a servant in the Bible, but the Greek word used in this particular scripture was a, a word that, that could be translated as an under rower of a boat. Okay, so if you picture those big old galley ships where they had the rowers underneath just, just rowing. And one commentary described the under rower as one who acts under direction and asks no question. One who does the thing he is appointed to do without hesitation and one who reports only to the one who is over him. So the, the Apostle Paul and the, the Apostles were called to be ministers, to be under rowers um, of the gospel under the master of Christ. They were called to do the work of God, and they were only reporting to Christ. And then he said that they were be stewards of the mystery of God, and a steward can be described as one who manages a household. Um, the steward was the master's deputy in regulating the concerns of the family, providing food for the household, seeing it served out at proper times and seasons and proper quantities. He received all the cash, expended what was necessary for the support of the family, and kept exact accounts for what she was obliged at certain times to lay before the master. So again, the steward was what, somewhat of a manager okay, of the household of God. And, and in this verse, stewards of the mysteries of God. So they were servants and stewards to the Corinthians, all the while keeping the purpose of the master. That's what they were called to do. And just going, he, he, he says, stewards of the mysteries of God. And I'm just going to uh, give you some notes of what Brother Marvin Tree said about the mysteries of God. And he defined mysteries of God as spiritual gifts and revelation. Spiritual gifts and revelation. And Paul said that when, when someone is speaking in tongues, later in, this, in, this, in 1 Corinthians, he says, when someone is speaking in tongues, he is speaking in mysteries. And it is in these spiritual realms that are managed by the ministry. So he, they were stewards of the mysteries of God. And these spiritual things, they go beyond the grasp of carnal man. 
And it was the apostles and the ministers who were responsible for the instruction of their use and order. And we read about this later on in chapter 12, where Paul was giving them instruction about spiritual gifts, about prophecy, you know, gift of tongues, all these sort of things. And I'm just going to quote um, Brother Therese here. It says, in the matter of spiritual gifts, of tongues and interpretation, of discernment, of prophecy, uh, phys- philosophical explanations are useless. There is no way for the worldly wise to enter. There is no portal. There is no tutor. It is an area totally reserved for the spirit of God in a person's life. And he said this, somewhere between the disclosure of the spirit in the individual's worship and his participation in praise in the congregation are areas to be governed and managed by the ministry. There can be no resentment for his instruction nor any attitude of exclusiveness for even they are revelations beyond the human grasp and comprehension is not limited to a singular connection. And there are other spiritually minded people. It says Paul in fact corrects the idea of soul source salvation when he said, but we, but we have the mind of Christ. Brother Tree said the song, Me and Jesus Got Our Thing Going, is a prime example of self-persuasion. The Corinthians, for all their ability and spiritual gifts, were not beyond the jurisdiction of ministerial authority. In fact, he warns them in verse 20 that he will come and test their power. So the, 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 the apostles were called to be servants, to be ministers, and to be stewards of the mysteries of God. And this is exactly what Paul did in the book of Corinthians. He came to correct some things. And as a, and this verse says, as a steward, you have to be faithful. And we quote this verse a lot, but, and I even talked about this last week, about being faithful. And I, I do know that I, and just kind of going on a little rabbit trail, I want to be a faithful steward of God. I want to take what God has allowed me to use, okay, what he's allowed me to be a part of, and I want to be faithful with it. I want to be a good manager of it. And we have to remember that we are just workers in this kingdom. We do not own this kingdom. We are not in charge of this kingdom. We are just laborers with Christ. We are, and I just want to be faithful in it. I don't want to have any sort of entitlement, uh, uh, entitlement mentality in the kingdom of God because the truth of it is I'm just thankful to be here. I'm just thankful to be a part of it. It doesn't, I'll be a doorkeeper. At, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. And I want to be faithful in the things that God has allowed me to do. And we talked about this last week. Everybody has their own thing, their, their own gifts and the way God uses you. Just be faithful in what God wants you to do in the kingdom. 
a faithful man who can find. And a faithful man is someone who is trusted and can be relied on. And I, I wrote this today. I said, there are some that don't show up. There are some that show up late and they leave early. And then there are the faithful. I want to be a part of the faithful. I was thinking, again, I'm going a little, little offshoot here, but I was thinking about uh, my cousin Brittany. And, and I don't think she'll mind me saying this. You know, she, there were some years there where there were some, there were some wild roots and she would come to church and, and she wouldn't come to church and, and she would come and she wouldn't come. And uh, all the while knowing truth, knowing that this worked. And I remember her telling me one day, she says, I'm going to be here. I'm, I'm going to do this. And she made up in her mind that this was right and she was going to be faithful to it. And she just did it. And there are many here who have made that decision. I remember making that decision when we first got in the church. We were kind of come and go and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and when you just make that decision to be faithful, it seems like there's just blessings in that. And now that back row is full. Amen. God's good. God's faithful to the faithful. Verse 3, it says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. And again, Paul was, was, was talking to the improper estimation the Corinthian church had towards him. He says, your judgment of me means very little, is basically what he says, because God is the ultimate judge. That's what, that's what he said. He's like, you know, what you think of me means very little to me, because I know that I'm doing what God wants me to, and he's the ultimate judge. Now, just remember that Paul was talking from a place of apostleship. Okay, this probably shouldn't be how we would conduct ourselves every day as a Christian, that we wouldn't care what anybody thinks of us. Okay? And we understand that? I believe there's a balance there. I believe that uh, there may be somebody next to you that could um, correct you, make a judgment in your life, and he could be right, and he could help you. Okay? And there's a place for that in the kingdom of God. You know, I believe that iron sharpens iron, okay? I believe that a brother is born for adversity. I believe in that. But also, your brother next to you could judge you wrongly. That's possible too. So there's a balance in this, but we do know that God is the ultimate judge, okay? And Paul was talking from a place of authority and apostleship. And Paul even said that he, he doesn't even judge himself. That kind of blows my mind. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I judge myself. I feel like I'm constantly, you know, thinking about 
how I do things and, and if I'm right or wrong. If, am I the only one? <laughs> but Paul said, Paul said, I don't even judge myself. And maybe we could learn some lessons from this. And of course, he was, he was saying, I don't judge myself through human wisdom because I know that God is the ultimate judge. And, and the truth of it is, is when we, when we make those judgments of ourselves um, through the, the, the lens of our flesh, okay, that those judgments are usually going to be either too high or they're going to be too low. And I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, we need to, we need to pay attention to what we're doing. But it needs to be through the judgment of God. And the best place to find that is the word. Okay? The word of God will show you, will lead you, will guide you. The Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you and correct you. But in our flesh, our judgment calls will be off. Verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. And we oftentimes catch judgment too quickly, making a quick call by what we see and making a quick call with our own wisdom. Um, But God will judge according to our hearts, to the motives of the hearts. He knows what's going on inside. Okay, He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your, in your mind. And this is why we oftentimes, uh, our judgments are skewed because we have a tendency to look at the outward. You know, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the inward. So he, he warned about making quick judgments, and it seemed like that's what the Corinthian church was doing towards Paul. In verse 6, he says, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. And Paul was speaking of himself and Apollos as servants and stewards to the Corinthians, and this, this wasn't in a, necessarily a literal way, but a figurative way. And he was trying to get the church to have a better understanding of their role, Paul and Apollos, how to perceive Paul and Apollos. And he wanted them to keep their thinking biblical and not to use the standards of the world. And we often get caught up... Um, we oftentimes get caught up in this in evaluating maybe a minister. We, we look at charisma and intellect and humor and appearance and skill and, and how well they can communicate. Um, these sort of measures would be what Paul would refer to in this verse as thinking that would be above that which is written. And he's saying, your thinking is unbiblical, okay? If you're, if you're using these measures to judge the minister 
of God, using unbiblical standards to judge the apostles, led them to like one more than the other. That's what happened. And this is, this is something that Paul was addressing to them. This is why he said in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, he says, well, one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. And he's like, you guys are carnal. And the truth of it is, is a preacher's job, an evangelist's job, a teacher. His job is just to teach and preach the truth. And, and I'm all about being a good speaker. And, and, we're in, and I think we should, we should try to be a good speaker and we should do our best to communicate. Um, but we're a minister of God is there to serve the word of God, to preach the truth. I remember messages um, that I've heard that have affected me and have, have changed me and, and, uh, and there oftentimes aren't the messages that are the most creative, but, but there was anointing behind us. And, and sometimes it's be, it comes from a preacher that isn't the, the best gifted speaker in the world, but when there's anointing and there's power behind it, that's, that's what I desire. And that's how we, we don't judge a minister by the world's point of view and how, and we're not up here to entertain. And I, I think we need more preachers and less entertainers. Right? And there is a, I'll be honest with you, there's a tendency to entertain. There's a tendency to get people to laugh, you know, to want to do that, but and I think some of that, that's all right. That's all, it's okay. But that's not what, up, what I'm up here to do. That's not what the minister of God is, is called to do. He's called to, to preach the word. That's why a whole district can be founded by a man, you know, an old German who would just sit here and teach for hours and hours and not move. Right? They, you guys would get out of church at 10 o'clock at night. There was no sparkle. There was no, was no lights and smoke when Brother Walters taught. But it was the word of God. It was truth. It was with love. And he built a church and built a district just by preaching the truth. Amen. We just need preachers that preach the truth. That's what we need. In your Bible study that you're teaching, don't try to dazzle. Just teach the truth. Just, I mean, be the best you can be, but you're not there to, to win them over with how great you are. You're there to win them over with the, how great the gospel is. Because the gospel is what changes people's lives. Amen? Amen? And understand that the Corinthians, this is how they viewed things. They come from a sophisticated, worldly culture. And debate and eloquence and good speaking was something that they, that they, uh, they looked up to. They desired. And Paul wasn't that guy. He was, but he preached the truth. And this is what he's addressing in this chapter to get them to look at the apostles 
in the correct um, perspective. So verse 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? So what does that mean? So Paul was basically addressing the Corinthians, and he was really addressing their pride. And he asked them questions, three questions here, addressing their pride. Question number one was, who are you to judge one better than another? He says, he says if God gave you these gifts, and, and we refer to the ministers of God, we refer to apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets as gifts from God. God gave the church these things. And along with spiritual gifts, he gave the church gifts. And he's like, who are you to judge one gift better than another? They were given to you by God. And they had an arrogancy about them. And this is what Paul was correcting. Question two says, what do you have that you did not receive? He basically said, everything that you have, God gave you. (laughs) And that's the truth. Like any good thing that I have in my life isn't because of me. It's from above. Because I understand that my righteousness, anything that I can do right, is as filthy rags in the kingdom of God. And I understand truly that the natural man standing here today is, is uh, the, 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 the old man, is dis, it, my heart is despiteful. It's proud. So anything that I do good is not because of me but it's something that I've received from God. So who am I to judge? Who am I to make one gift better than another? Who am I to say that one preacher is better than another preacher or one spiritual gift, right, is better than another spiritual gift when God gave us these gifts? Well, from everything that is good that you have today, is from above. So when you have that mentality, and this is what Paul was addressing, it's easy not to become prideful. When you just understand that you you have nothing and everything that you have was from God. Is it possible for men to attribute their spiritual gifts to their own abilities? Could God charge us, and this is Brother Treese's thought, he says, could God charge you with spiritual plagiarism? That you would take something God gave you as a gift and chalk it up to your own ability. That you thought of that. That you came up with that. That that revelation that you got was something that you were smart enough to think of. God say, no, I gave that to you as a gift. So can we rely on our own abilities and be charged with spiritual plagiarism? 
It's possible that the things that God revealed to you by the Spirit, that you remember them and you would repeat them later on as self-originated. This is what Paul was addressing here. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that you have, God gave you. God revealed it to you. These ministers of God that you have, they're gifts from God. These spiritual gifts that you're operating on, they're gifts from God. You don't have anything that God didn't give you. Third question, he says, why are you boasting about something that you were given? He's referring again to these gifts. And and the truth of it is, is you can't be the chosen and the chooser at the same time. You can't, they say that beggars can't be choosers. And today in the kingdom of God, I'm thankful to be chosen. So I'm not going to get picky. I'm not going to get particular. I'm not going to start acting. We cannot get caught up in our pride. And, And the chosen become the choosers, if you will. How arrogant can we be? or the Corinthian church, that they would think to themselves that the gift of God that they had been given wasn't good enough. I could go on a, I could go, I could, I could go on a trail here. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm, here's what I'm going to say. How arrogant could we be that we would think to ourselves the gift of God the gifts that God has given us wouldn't be good enough and that another preacher would fit my style better or he would compliment my abilities better. And sometimes we think that. But the truth of it is, is the ministers of God to this church were given to this church by God. That, and I'm not just saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you that I'm I'm God's gift to you. <laughs> that's not what I'm, I'm, that's not the spirit in what I'm, what I'm saying this. I think you guys know that. But I do know that the preacher in my life was a gift from God. And I, I do know that the prophet of God who prophesies in this church is a gift from God. Amen. I do know that the teachers that teach in this church are a gift to this church. And how dare I think that they're not good enough for me and that they wouldn't fit my style and my preference when they're gifts from God. And this is where we get into the whole idea of you choosing your pastor. I'm not going to go deep, but God gives you your pastor. He just does. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I didn't choose it either. God chose it. But this is the the structure of God. This is how God does things. And the Corinthian church was having issues with that. Paul's argument has been that the ministry are but tools in the hand of God. And it is God who makes the seed grow. And this is the kingdom of God. And today I'm just thankful, thankful to be a part of it thankful to be a laborer with Christ in the kingdom of God.
Well, I'm on verse 8. Wow. So we're going to read verse 8 through 13. And this is a, this is a, a sarcastic rebuke to the Corinthian pride. And Paul, Paul could be sarcastic. He could be, he could be straightforward. So as I read this, just catch some of the sarcasm. It says, now ye are full. Now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, We bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscreen of all things unto this day. And Paul, in his sarcasm, is not trying to mock them, but he is trying to shake them of their prideful, self-willed thinking. And the Corinthians looked at themselves highly while God displayed uh, the apostles in, in a lowly degree. And this is what Paul was saying. Understand that Greek philosophy and the culture that the Corinthians had taught them that they were of less degree if they labored with their hands to make a living. And this is exactly what Paul did. And Greek philosophy taught that you, you don't turn the other cheek. And Paul said, being reviled, we blessed. And being persecuted, we suffered it. And I believe that even today, today's church can be, we, 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 can, come, we can have this attitude just as the Corinthian Christians did. They were concerned about the image of worldly success and power. And many of them despised Paul and the other apostles because they did not display that image. The Corinthians thought that they had it all together with the working of their own abilities and ideas. And they struggled with the cling of worldly wisdom and thinking. And and culturally today, we can struggle with the same spirit, the same issues. Because the truth of it is, as, as proud as I am to be an American, as proud as I, I was to, to learn about the Civil War, although that was not a very proud time in American history, as proud as I am to be an American, to live in the free world, um, there is a lot of pride that comes from Americanism and individualism. And that we got to be careful that we don't cling to that way of thinking because the kingdom of God um, is completely opposite of that. So this is what Paul was addressing in these verses. In verse 14, says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. 
For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you uh, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So after a pretty sharp, sarcastic rebuke from Paul, he softens his tone a little as a father, as a father would correcting their children. And he said, there are others instructors in Christ amongst you. He didn't refer to them as teachers. And and I, I just looking into this a little bit, the word that he used for instructors in this, in this verse, he said they can be best described as those who help train. And actually Paul used the same word for instructors in Galatians 3 and 24. Says, he says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster um, to bring us to Christ. So that, that word instructor in, in Corinthians is the same word for schoolmaster in Galatians And so the schoolmaster brought us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So it was the law that took us to school, but faith is what handed us our diploma, as one commentary said. So these instructors trained and they guided, but the father was the one who planned and arranged the opportunities for the future. And Paul was differentiating between a child trainer and, the, and a father. It says, many instructors can tell you what to do, but there are not many who can tell you what to do with the love of the father, of a father. And this is the, the position that Paul was reprimanding this church from. And I think it's good for us to understand that, that he, he's the one that founded this church. He was the, the apostle to this church. And sometimes with your own children... Right? It can be a little easier to give a sharp rebuke. But Paul wanted to, he softened his tone a little bit and he says, I'm not doing this to shame you, but I'm doing this to correct you as a father would correct his children. And it's interesting that he said, I'm going to send Timothy to you and he's going to remind you of my ways in Christ. It's like, listen, listen kids, I'm going to send your brother to you. And he's going to remind you of my ways in Christ and maybe encourage the Corinthian church and maybe help them better understand Paul's correction here because Paul was also considered a son in the gospel to Paul. Verse 18 says, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. And they didn't think Paul would return. Um, As the old adage goes, when the teacher is away, the children will play. And that's sort of exactly what happened to the Corinthian church. Uh, They they struggled with childhood disease and divisions was the symptom and pride was the ailment. Because the teacher was away. But I like what Paul says in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly. If the Lord will, I will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, 
but it's in power. Paul said, if it's the will of God, I'm going to return. And I'm not going to take no cognizance of their ability to talk and to say things. And we understand that they like to talk. They like to debate. They like eloquent speaking. And basically what he was saying is, listen, you can talk the talk, but I'm coming to see if you're walking the walk. I'm coming to, to see if you are truly walking the way you should be and to correct you in that walk. And he would find out their real strength when he would test their power, like he said in verse 20. Brother Tree said this, he said, No doubt Paul was anxious to be with them and test them as to how these powerful operations in the spirit could coexist with the attitude which he had just addressed. The test is this, can arrogance and speaking in tongues coexist? I was like, wow, wow, Brother Therese. That's, that's pretty pointed. But I imagine that's what Paul was thinking. Verse 21 says, what will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness. That's pretty tough. Has any father here ever asked your children, we can handle this two ways. We can handle this two ways. And I think that's exactly what Paul was saying. And of course, I believe that Paul's preference would be in love and the spirit of weakness, but it didn't seem that he was afraid to pull out the rod as a shepherd would do to sheep that were getting out of hand. There's such a thing as a shepherd's staff. And I'm going to quote Brother Treese one more time here. He says, Let those who say that there should never be strong demanding preaching take note of the stern warning of the apostle at some point every soul must face correction from the word of God and this portion of the chapter could be called the menu it says order up which way do you want it (laughs) and I think we all know which way we want it and I think we uh, I think we all know which way we want it delivered But the truth of it is, is Paul faced a tough situation here where he had to address some things that were wrong. He had to address uh, um, some things uh, that were not being handled right, some pride and arrogance and worldly wisdom. And we're going to see even the next chapter, as we get into chapter five, there was sexual sin and we get, we, we, we're going to go through these things, but he he was writing and to correct them. And of course, anytime you are in a position to correct, um, you, you try not to be too harsh and to crush somebody and, and maybe even come across in a way that you would imply that you yourself are above sin. Because the truth of it is anytime you are being corrected, it's very easy to look at the one correcting and saying, maybe you should look at your own life. Right? Right? We all do that. So this was a tough situation for Paul. But he was trying to help this church. 
with the error of their ways. And that's exactly what he did um, in this letter to 1 Corinthians. And there's a time and a place just that correction needs to, to happen. And, and as, as a, a preacher and as teachers of God, we use the word of God. We take these teachings that God gave us as his inspired word and, and we preach it. And, and through the preached word of God, God corrects, right? The, the word of God is quick and powerful, right? And, and we understand that this word is for reproof, for correction, for understanding, for instruction in righteousness. And I'm thankful today. The truth of it is, I've personally been corrected spiritually both ways with the rod and with the spirit of meekness. And for as much as I didn't like the rod, I'm thankful for it. I'm just thankful for correction. And the truth, and I, some of us learn, to, we learn the hard way. And I've been down that road where you just learn things the hard way. But even when you are learning things the hard way, the mercies of God are still veined into that. Amen. The rod, the mercies of God sometimes feel like the rod. But it's just God trying to get us on the right track. Amen. Let's all stand today. God is so good. We will not do this next week because we'll have, have the missionary from Jerusalem here. Uh, please be here if you can. Um, but let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy today. God, I pray that you would have your hand upon every man, woman, and child in this place. God, that you would touch them. God, that you would bless them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would correct us. God, that we would take heed to your word today. God, in the name of Jesus. God, that there would be no spiritual pride in us. God, that we would remain thankful, God, just to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of the church. God, that the chosen wouldn't become choosers, but God, God, that we would just be thankful, God, to be a part of the greatest thing on planet Earth, and that is your church. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you today. God, in Jesus' name, bless every family. God, bless every mother and every father today, every child in this place. God, that we could draw closer to you, God, while we draw closer together as a church. God, I pray for revival. God, I pray that you would send this church revival, God, that we would handle it, God, how you would handle it, God, that you would send us hungry souls, God, that we could preach the gospel to. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity today, God, to be together one more time, God, to worship your name, God, to hear your word, God, to feel your presence, God, to enter into your, your place of worship. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today for the Holy Ghost. God, I thank you today for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. God, I thank you today for the blood, God, that you shed, God, on Calvary, that you forgave our sins. God, you washed them all the way. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. I just wanted to give a little more information uh, on the missionary that's coming next week. Um, that's Israel's considered a uh, 
uh, I don't even remember what they call it. It's one of those nations where um, we have to be very careful of get, letting his information out because he could be, you know, they could put a bullseye on him and try to get him out of Israel. So we need to be very careful when we're giving information out. We usually don't give out their emails or any of that stuff or or we've got to even be careful when we email that we don't say things that would lead people to them. So I just want to say that. But I also want to say this. You will miss a service if you're not here. His testimony is unreal. He um, was blinded in a meth lab explosion. So he's blind. Um, he uh, was in prison, and God did a miracle and got him out of prison. And uh, he acknowledges that. He said God called him to Israel. So he went to Israel. While he's in Israel, he finds out that he's Jewish. He didn't know it. But his name, Yeter, is a very Jewish name. He's been in school for six or seven years. He's got two masters. He's working on a PhD. He goes to a rabbinic, a rab he calls it a rabbi school, um, to be a rabbi. Um, he has a very unique teaching method that he teaches, and he... Uh, it's very unique, he told me, to apostolics because what he does is give us, he gives us apostolics, Gentiles, if you will, a better understanding of the oneness of God using scripture. And he talks about how um, the Jews had, there was a Jewish salvation in the Old Testament. He talks about when they decided not to follow the New Testament and gives a lot of information. Um, you won't want to miss it everywhere he goes. And by the way, bring someone. If you know someone that struggles a little bit with Trinity, bring him. He's had, he's had Trinitarian pastors in the United States baptized in his services. Um, very powerful teacher, and uh, I, just, I just don't want to pass up this opportunity to tell you that you need to be here and you need to bring people. Um, you, you, won't, you won't regret being here. You're dismissed. You're dismissed.